horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, thanks so much for joining us again for another edition of Winning Ponies. Hope you had a great Belmont Day. Want to thank everybody that uh, entered into the Belmont uh, contest. The winners have been uh, uh, taken care of, and uh, we had uh, quite a show up here on the winningponies.com site. So hope you had fun, and I hope you had Taprit on top in the Belmont Stakes. Well, uh, tonight... We're going to have a first-time starter and a repeat handicapper. The first-time starter is no stranger to the world of racing on many, many levels. His name is Terry Finley, and he heads up West Point Thoroughbreds, who have had their hands on many a good horse over the year, perhaps none as good as Always Dreaming. They were brought in as a partner after the horse, uh, I believe, broke his maiden. Uh, to to uh, to join the uh, partnership of those those Brooklyn boys, it's uh, quite an outfit and quite a few people connected with the horse. But Terry Finley and West Point Thoroughbreds, I've always admired the way that he has put together uh, partnerships, and uh, he has. Uh, a fantastic website if you've never been to it, just just to read it. Now, not if you really are looking to buy into a horse, but uh, he, he is just uh, so clear and transparent on the things that you need to know before buying a racehorse. They even have a segment on the website uh, that, that talks about you know the different reasons why you want to buy into a horse and a reason why maybe it's good to kind of spread your investment out over several horses. Also, uh, we heard last week that Twilight Eclipse was going to be retired, and he's going to retire to the leisurely life of, I believe, being a hunter-jumper. I know they're finding another career for him, and he always liked to see it when an old war horse who's done so well gets a shot at a second career. So that's Terry Finley from West Point. And then our friend Ed DeRosa from Twin Spires, there's a lot of great racing under the Twin Spires. And remember now, this is going to be Saturday evening now. So, uh, you know, make sure that you, you, you tune in Saturday evening. Uh, it looks like uh, we've had a lot of wet weather in the Midwest, uh, but it looks like things are going to clear out for the weekend. I'll double check with Ed on that. But uh, we've got uh, McCracken uh, returning in the uh, Matt Wynn, of course, uh, put in a disappointing eighth in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, my friend Brian Hernandez, again, once will be back in the saddle. Uh, then we got the Wise Dan, and in there, last year's winner of the Wise Dan, Pluvian, the French bread, will be in the field. Then we move on to the Fleur de Lis, and it looks like a great rematch of the Latrion grade one that was uh, run on uh, Derby Day. And uh, the top two finishers, Big World and Romantic Vision, will match strides again. What's interesting is is neither of them have won at a mile and an eighth. Uh, so we'll see what Ed DeRosa has to say about that. And after that, it looks like the big gun gun runner has the target on his back in the grade one 
half a million dollar Stephen Foster handicap. He has just been training lights out. Of course, he's coming back from a second place finish against uh, Superhorse Arrogate in the Dubai World Cup. But he has been training great. He looks great. And we'll see what that son of Candy Ride can do and see if Ed's got any upsetters or advice for horses to put underneath in your exotics well when it comes to playing churchill or just about any other track be sure to pull down our easy win forms here at winning ponies uh you and uh, hope you did over the week end because uh, actually the whole week we just had some amazing hits uh you know at churchill downs uh we did have a one dollar super high five that paid seven thousand four hundred and thirty five dollars and another one dollar super box uh, the day before that paid three thousand eight hundred and twenty five don't forget we go north and south all over at mountaineer a 50 cent super five key paid three thousand one hundred and forty and then down with my friend Pete Iello at Gulfstream Park, a $1 Super 5 paid $3,559. So go to winningponies.com, pull down those easy win forms. So all, all the big race is going to be at Churchill on Saturday. But uh, over at Santa Anita, they will be racing on Saturday. They got the Grade 2 Honeymoon and the Grade 2 Summertime Oaks, where who else but Bob Baffert has the two top horses in there. Uh, there's a Grade 3 at Monmouth, the Salvatore mile and uh gulfstream park is the hundred thousand dollar ginger punch stakes well of course big news of the week was taprit who wore down irish war cry to win the belmont stakes think about tap it his sire had it not been for american pharaoh frosted would have won that race and that would have been four belmont victories in a row how phenomenal was that of course turning into the stretch it looked like irish war cry was going to hold on but uh, uh you know jose ortiz did a marvelous job urging on Taprip. kind of did some uh, changing of the whip and when he did he got the response for this horse that cost 1.2 million dollars he earned every bit of that back with his value now as a stallion son of Tappet. Yeah, it was uh, uh, Irish work cry hanging on for a second. And in the third, another Pletcher trainee, Patch, the one-eyed horse, got up for third. And after that, they were pretty well strung out. Now, uh, Terry Finley and West Point do uh, 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 will get their input on uh, on the, uh, the Belmont. They pass, though, with Always Dreaming. So Terry will probably give us a chance to find out where always dreaming is going to go uh, cloud computing also was not in the race uh, the good news is from Pletcher's barn that uh, uh, Tappert uh, came out of the race in good order although he did have a few superficial cuts but other than that they say he was unscathed from his 12 furlong effort so uh, you know uh, Tappert now he's on the map and we, he'll probably show up in the usual three-year-old races uh, coming through uh, the, the summertime season uh, of course I don't know if you saw the race. Uh, it was kind of scary there for a while when uh, Florent Giroux came out of the irons on Hollywood Handsome, kind of clipped uh, heels. He did have a deep, deep laceration the next day in his left knee. Um, 
he did his best to control him as he could, but finally on the backstretch, he pulled him to the outside, They and they were pulled up, so let's hope he recovers from that cut. Well, uh, one of the uh, favorites uh, around the Midwest, the pizza man, he's coming back in a race called the Black Tie Affair. It's a $50,000 race at Arlington, a course he loves, so uh, let's just say this is a prep for bigger and better things. He's eight years old now, and this is going to be his first start finish since he finished third in the River City Handicap at Churchill. That was back in November. Don't forget the Pizza Man won the 2015 edition of the Arlington Million. He's going to be the high weight, packing 128 pounds, but if he's half the horse he used to be, he'll do just fine. Well, uh, we've got to say goodbye to uh, do a good one. Hansel was euthanized due to old age, uh, owned by Lazy Lane's Farm. Of course, he won the Preakness and the Belmont Stakes and was awarded the Eclipse as the champion three-year-old back in 1991. At 29, he was the oldest living Triple Crown Classic winner. Uh, so uh, Hansel with us no longer. Of course, no big surprise here. Jockey of the Week, Mike Smith, five stakes wins on the Belmont card. Is he unbelievable or what? With the stakes earnings of over $2.22 million. 11 stakes starts last week, the second leading rider by total earnings. His 13 starts last week, he won five races and finished second and third in the two others. They don't call him Money Mike for nothing. So his career earnings now exceed $298 million. All right, well, again, we get uh, top handicappers uh, Ed Meyer and a newcomer that you don't know, but I did know, Steve Pearson. I told you he was a good handicapper, and he really is. Let's take a quick look at the Belmont card before we get Terry Finley on with us. Uh, the third race, a mile and a half. It was the Brooklyn Invitational, and it was War Story, owned by my friend Ron Paolucci, Luch Stables. He told uh, jockey Javier Castellano to get to the outside, and he did. He was in the two-path, the four-path, the five-path, and then he just took off and won under a hand ride by two-and-a-half lengths. So, imperative stable mate. Getting the headlines for a change. War Story takes the Brooklyn Invitational. It was Sunny Ridge in second and two Brutus, the odds-on choice, in third. Uh, then it was on to the Acorn and did not disappoint. Abel Tasman, slight favorite with Salty. The Kentucky Oaks winner got the job done. Salty, who was pretty much a co-favorite with him, uh, ended up being uh, – in the second spot, and third was Benner Island, who was winner of the Eight Bells at Churchill Downs. Congratulations to the connections of Abel Tasman, one of Mike Smith's mounts, and wins. Then we went to the Ogden Phipps, just a ting of beauty. Uh, Songbird just sang herself to the front and got the job done. Uh, running second was Paid Up Subscriber, who was Steve Longshot. We asked for the horse he liked underneath Songbird, and uh, uh, it was paid up subscriber went off at seven to one got the second spot and third was highway star uh, then we moved on to the woody stevens the winner in there was the favorite bob baffert mike smith american anthem got the job done just drew away at nine to five at 30 to one it was giuseppe the great getting the second spot and third recruiting ready the speed horse 
picked up a nice chunk of the purse. Then we moved on to the Longines Just a Game. Our friend Steve Pearson, his best bet of the day was Antone, and Antone got the job done. Ed Meyer picked this horse also, paid $8.20. Sassy Little Lita, who led until the wire, got caught by Antone. Second and third was the one Dickinson. Then we moved on to the Mohegan Sun Metropolitan Handicap, and the winner in here was More Spirit. Guess what? Baffert and Mike Smith, how good are these guys, <laughs> took over after half mile, uh, was the favorite, but paid 740 is the favorite. You got to kind of like that a little bit. Uh, in the second spot was Sharp as Tekka. They were kind of strung out with More Spirit winning by six and a quarter. Sharp as Tekka, uh, second by uh, three and a half and in the third spot uh, from the outside was Tommy Macho. He was 15 to 1. And then, of course, uh, we moved on to Steve Pearson's. I asked him for his long shot play of the day. Gave me a horse, gave you a horse by the name of Ascend. Ascend went off at 27 to 1 and got the job done for Graham Motion, um, making his fourth lifetime start at Belmont Park. So congratulations to Steve, 27 to 1. Second was time-tested. Uh, and uh, again, uh, Steve Pearson, uh, I'm going to have him back on. I know nobody knows him but me. He's a sharp attorney. And of course, in the Belmont Stakes, as we already said, it, it was uh, a Taprit, uh, Irish War Cry, and Patch. And just so you know, folks, my friend Steve Pearson did hit the five for $12,000. Well, that was pretty much it on national news. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk to uh, an ex-military man who is uh, uh, doing a fantastic job of putting partnerships together and uh, was involved in a great partnership himself. You live in the dream with always dreaming in the Kentucky Derby. That's Terry Findlay. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're 
you're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now, a gentleman in racing that I've uh, admired from afar for a long time. Uh, I really enjoy his uh, uh, style. Uh, he's made himself very much available. I don't know if you watched any of the series of America's Best Racing uh, leading up to the Derby. Uh, he was happy to kind of share the experience and what an experience he had uh, being uh, a part of a, a Kentucky Derby winner. Uh, but uh, in putting together West Point Thoroughbreds, uh, Terry's done, you know, something that we need in this sport so much, and that's to introduce new people. Every state needs it, every breeding association, and uh, it's a great way for people to to get their toe wet and see if it's something they want to jump into, perhaps on their own. Uh, but as long as you've got a guy like Terry heading up the organization, it's a great way to have camaraderie. Right now, I want to introduce you to Terry Finley. Hey, Terry, thanks for taking the time. Hey, John, always a pleasure. Always uh, interested to talk about our great sport of racing. Well, let's get a little backstory. Everybody's got one about what turned them on, what got them into the game, whether it be uh, Uncle Guido or a coincidence where you went out with some college friends or, you know, you grew up on a farm. What's your story as far as your introduction? Well, I didn't have an Uncle Guido or an Uncle Vinny. Uh, uh, I'm the youngest of seven, an Irish Catholic family. So my father, Dan, uh, uh, took took me to the races um, when I was a, a real young kid. And as the youngest, you know, he was a teacher and he had a little bit more time. Uh, me being the youngest, uh, you know, all my brothers and sisters were were up and at them and into their, into their work world and I just always, you know, obviously you bond with your father or your uncle when you go to the races. And uh, I just always just really relished the opportunity to go to the races. And I started when I was a young kid, you know, working around them when I was 12 or 13 and worked on the racetrack for quite a few years and just always had it in my blood. Um, I spent eight years in the military after school and, uh, I, I came home from, I was over in Europe, and I did some really cool things in the military. Um, I, I really liked it. I didn't love it. And, you know, one one strange thing after another put me back, and you gave me an opportunity to, to, to get reacquainted with the racing business. And I was like, I got to give this thing a shot. I got to, I got to see if I can make this work. And uh, had a very supportive wife and some early partners that believed in me when they had no right to believe in me. And, uh, you know, I'd like to think I got a, a pretty good work ethic from my family and from my parents and from being in the military. And, you know, I, I continue to work hard, try to build our business and the business overall. So that's kind of my story. 
Well, I can relate somewhat. I'm the uh, the fifth of seven of an Irish Catholic family, and I too started <laughs> going to the track with my parents uh, up at Saratoga, where my brother Bob worked uh, as a young man, uh, running bets for him and our neighbor Johnny Sanchirico. But uh, you know, it, it is amazing once it kind of gets it gets in your blood. But uh, the entrance for you into ownership? Did you start with a claimer? Did you put together a team of people? How did it start? Yeah. Interestingly, uh, I'd come back from Germany, and I, I was going to get a job in at Johnson and Johnson. So I actually had a job offer, and I was I had put my paperwork in uh, to get out of the army, and that was in the summer of uh, 1990. So I don't know if you remember what happened in August of 1990, uh, but Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait and. Uh, very quickly they stopped everybody from thinking about getting out. And so I, I ended up spending another four years in the military based solely on the fact that I was stopped for about a year or so and you know, by that invasion of Kuwait. So without Saddam Hussein, I'm probably trying to work my way up in the corporate ranks of Johnson & Johnson. Uh, so, you know, that's how I kind of get, got reacquainted and that's, uh, you know, that's how we put a little bit of money together and we claimed our first horse, by, a horse by the name of Sunbelt for a nickel, uh, at Philadelphia Park. And it was, uh, you know, of course it goes without saying, right? We won our first race. The vast majority of people, they, the racing gods are very funny. They let you win your first race almost right. all the time. And when that happens, you're, we all think the same thing. Like, this is easy. I'm gonna, I'm, I'll own this game very quickly, and you know, uh, it, it doesn't take long before you realize that's a, the biggest fallacy you've ever encountered. Uh, but you know, that was in the early '90s, and we, we just started to gather, and very slowly but surely, um, we kept at it. And we, you know, I, I just wasn't gonna back up, and I, I didn't know a person. You know, there are a lot of people that that do the same thing. You know, you see, you see great people uh, and great trainers and owners, and you know, they come into the business. They don't know anybody. They start at the bottom, and or they start, you know, and they, if you're in the ownership ranks, you start and you dabble a little bit. But it's a game that you can make your own way. Doesn't matter who your parents are, you know, where you come from, where you go to school. It matters if you show up and you do the right things and you're honest and you win races. And so the parameters are very straightforward in our business. Just do the right thing and win races. And if you do that, you're going to get more clients and you're going to, you know, you're going to grow your business. Absolutely. I, I was blessed to get involved uh, with a trainer by the name of Jeff Greenhill here in the Midwest. And yeah. you could not meet a guy more honest than Jeff, and he puts out, he lets you know when your horse is going to the gate, when he's going to work, invites everybody back to the stable, you know, he's, he says, don't worry, I got the carrots, you know, I got the peppermints, just come on back, bring your kids, and it was a whole, just an atmosphere that was fantastic, so all of us that were in these partnerships would always root for the other guy, you know, even though maybe I'd only own 10% of one horse, people that were in my partnership were in other ones, and it's a, an amazing feeling because even if you just own part of a horse, when he wins a race, it's like your kid hitting the final shot in the state championship. 
I mean, without a doubt, that's your, you know, and you get a shot to do it. You know, the more horses you have, the more you know, games that you attend when your your kid has a shot to sink that basket at the end of the, the game. So I, that's a great analogy. It really is. Um, and it, it it's just amazing. You know, Dale Romans talks about it a lot. We go through the hardship and the, 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 the investment and the money and the, you know, the heartache for all for that seven or eight seconds, the last seven or eight seconds of a race when you know you're going to win. And that, that's what we all pay for, no matter what. You know, everything else is good, the anticipation, the excitement, the mornings on the backside. It really comes down to that small segment of time where you know you're, uh, you're going to take a trip to the winner's circle. And that's, that's really the magic, the magic of our game and the magic of ownership and these great horses that give us so much you know, pleasure. Well, uh, Terry Finley of West Point Thoroughbreds, you've now been to the mount. Uh, you have been a part of a partnership that has won the world's most iconic <laughs> race. I'm sure there's no way to put that into words, but I'm going to ask you to try. Well, I, I'll, I'll try. I, I've tr- now, I've been trying for six weeks, right, because <laughs> I'm, I'm in Kentucky. I'm in Bowling Green, Kentucky with my daughter. She lives here. Uh, she, she runs, she does all the management with our horses. So we're going back on Saturday, you know, foster night at Churchill Downs. They, they have kind of the, the, you know, the, the weekend that all the connections from the Derby winner come back and we get a chance to see the video at the museum. And it's kind of like, okay, the induction into the club. So we're looking forward to that. So, you know, to explain it, like, if you're in the horse business and you're playing at any level above the you know the the nickel claimers, you think about winning the Kentucky Derby, right? I mean, I I have not come across anybody that could look me in the eye and tell me they haven't dreamed about being in the winner's circle late in the afternoon at Churchill Downs on the first Saturday in May, and so. When you think about that and you let your mind go there, you know it's like that is the most incredible feeling you could have in you know in your business endeavor, owning horses, training horses, or being in the in the in the horse industry. So I just say to you, like you think it's the great and the ultimate, it's even better. <laughs> <laughs> it's even better than as good as you think it can be, and that's that's kind of. That, that sums it up. Like, you know, I remember just looking. I remember with my hands on that trophy, with my family, uh, my my son, my daughter, my wife, my son-in-law, and my team. And we're holding a trophy up, and I looked out, and I I saw, you know, across the grandstand in the clubhouse, and I, up six floors, and it was packed. And I just said, like, if there's ever a time I wanted time to stand still, that was the moment. Like, I wanted, I would have given anything to have that five minutes stand still for whatever, as long as the, as the racing guys would give me a chance to have it stand still. But you, you get what I'm saying. Like, you, you just can't fathom the, the adrenaline rush. And your mind just keeps telling you, dude, 
you just won the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> and so I can tell you, like, it's, it's, it doesn't happen quite as much as it did five or six weeks ago. But I, I think anybody that's been part of a Derby winner will tell you it pops into your head an awful lot, you know, an awful lot. Um, so there, there it is. And, but, but I'll tell you, it, the other thing, it, it gives you a sense because after a short period of time, they're like saying, they tell you, hey, we got the next race to run. Come on, we got to get you back across the racetrack. So that kind of brings you back down to earth a little bit. <laughs> but I can tell you, you go to the museum that day and you go that night, you go to the party and, uh, you, you're just like on a magic carpet ride and you just look around and especially for a partnership, you, you realize that those partners are feeling the same way. And it's, it's, it's very moving and it's very humbling. I can, I can assure you of that. All right, Terry, I only have a couple minutes left, and, and I do want to check in uh, on upcoming plans for Always Dreaming. But before I do that, I want to pay homage to you and the, the, the team that probably made the decision on Twilight Eclipse, uh, one of my favorite horses, and I've cashed quite a few tickets on that horse. Uh, the fact that you're going to give him a chance to find a second career. Yeah, actually, uh, you know, he is at, at my daughter's place. You know, she has a little farm, uh, outside of Bowling Green and, and I, we just got in a couple hours ago. We flew from Saratoga. Uh, and so I spent all afternoon and I fed him carrots and he loves carrots. And, you know, um, I, you know, I got choked up when I saw him for the first time because we bought him as a three year old when he hadn't run, you know, a 62 vial. And he won the A other than the Indiana Downs. And, you know, he's kept us very relevant for a long time. So to say that I'm grateful for him and for, for what he's brought to the company is, is about as big of an understatement as you could make. Um, so, I mean, he'll have a great life for the rest of his life. And, you know, we'll, at, at a certain point after he enjoys himself and just kind of cools out, we'll put the tack back on him and see if he wants to be a riding horse. If he doesn't, He'll be, uh, you know, uh, an ornament out in a beautiful grass field for the rest of his life. But, um, yeah, I mean, just think about this. What would our business be if there were the majority of horses were of the, had the soundness and the, the try of a Twilight Eclipse? And we, we know that they all can't be great horses. They all can't make two million. But we can do a better job overall as an industry keeping horses sounder. And that starts from the very beginning when you, when you breed horses, when you prep them for sales, when you go to the two-year-old sales. And then what you do as an owner at the racetrack with these horses, we got to do a better job and we got to be more accountable to that. But, you know, the whole dynamic of the industry would be much, much better and much more effective if we could do that. And I, I hope we're moving in that direction. I really do. Well, and I think uh, along that line, uh, there was, you know, always dreaming, won the Kentucky Derby, put forth a, a great effort. And I, I'm sure that you and your entire team uh, of partners decided, hey, I'll, it's not time to put them through the grueling thing. This is a horse that's got a huge chance to build a resume down the road. And so uh, where is he? What is he? And what might you be pointing to? 
Yeah, he's he's at Belmont Park with Todd Pletcher. I saw him last week when I was I was down there for the Belmont Stakes in the week, and uh, he's back training. You know, he the the Preakness it threw him for a loop. He he was knocked out for a good two weeks and in the back of his stall just trying to trying to charge his batteries. But he's back, and um, you know, I would think right now that the majority owners and Todd are looking at putting a circle around the Jim Dandy. You know, you get a race over the racetrack, you don't have to ship and uh, getting ready for the driver. So that that's, if if I had to push the button right now and make a prediction, he'll run in the Jim Dandy in uh, late, uh, late July and then hopefully take dead aim on the Travers and see if we can go into the fall with a, a legitimate shot to be a, a presence uh, when they open things up and they combine the three-year-olds with the older horses. Well, you could be a dual uh, derby winner, uh, not only the Kentucky Derby, but the Midsummer Derby, uh, which in the Engelhardt family was a holy race of obligation. That was the one family <laughs> reunion we had every year was to meet at the Travers. It was great. Well, Terry, listen, uh, you got to promise me you'll come back on because at, at some point I just want to talk about the, the great job you've done. Uh, and anybody, I'm telling you, go to West Point Thoroughbred's website and check it out. Uh, j- just talking about partnerships, the importance of them. Uh, in the world of thoroughbred racing because we can do it at every level and what that's going to do is bring new owners in create a whole new enthusiasm for this sport hopefully that people will get so much interested that they're going to want to get into the game and breed we need to expand the the, the full population and i think through your efforts in in putting together the partnerships it's a step in the right direction so thank you so much for your time promise me you'll come back on just to talk about what you do with your partnerships and i wish you nothing but the best of luck my friend yeah i'd be happy to and and, and you're right we can solve a lot of our challenges by doing one thing by bringing more owners into the game. And, and we all have to take re- our responsibility for that. So I promise, I'll give you my word, I, I, I'll come back and uh, I just tell the, you guys, I'll throw it back on you. You guys do a wonderful job and uh, I'll keep it up and let's keep putting our great game in front of more and more people. All right, we've been talking with Terry Finley, one of the country's best ambassadors of racing. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with Mr. Twin Spires, Ed DeRosa, because there's going to be some huge racing under the Twin Spires Saturday night. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me, a gentleman that's been on the show many, many times because he's a great handicapper and an excellent uh, individual, and his name is Ed DeRosa, works for Twin Spires, and Saturday, well, this afternoon, <laughs> he was there, and Saturday night, for sure, he's going to be there under the Twin Spires. Ed DeRosa, Ed, how are you and the family doing? Doing well. Just uh, moved to the Louisville area and really enjoy getting settling going in here and uh it's nice to call church on my home track a- absolutely um well before we uh, go on with some of the, the fantastic races that are gonna uh take place there uh over uh, saturday evening i just kind of want to rewind and uh paint with a broad brush your uh picture of this year's triple crown uh well handicapping wise it was more throwing a bucket at the wall as far as how i did versus a brush but uh, I was pretty high on Classic Empire, so I was riding or dying with him, and unfortunately didn't get the job done in either of the two races he ran in. Uh, and then I went with Irish War Cry in the Belmont. So on a personal level, definitely not my best Triple Crown. Horse-wise, uh, I really thought the story of this year's Triple Crown uh, was the training jobs that the winners of the horses did. Uh, you know, Todd getting always dreaming ready after running as a two-year-old in that long layoff, and he fired his best shot in the Derby. Chad deciding to skip the Derby with cloud computing, and he just had him primed for a top performance in the Preakness. Uh, and then Todd again in the Belmont with Taprit. Uh, similar course as Destin last year, except Todd ran him in the bluegrass, whereas Destin had that long break before the Derby. And, uh, you know, made the difference. Destin was nowhere in the Derby, second in the Belmont. This year he wins the Belmont. Uh, so to me, the, the story of this year's Triple Crown was definitely the, the trainers getting the job done, helping their horses get the job done. Well, it, it'll be interesting. Of course, you, you get the naysayers going, oh, geez, you know, uh, uh, no, you know, dual, triple, not Triple Crown, but, you know, somebody that won two of the jewels of the Triple Crown. Um, but it, it seems to me like, as we've just got off the uh, line with uh, Terry Finley, that you know, the, the trainers are doing right by their horses. You know, that they, they got them ready for perhaps the biggest race of their career. Uh, they did it, and they just don't feel like they want to turn around real quick and squeeze the lemon dry. As you know, this time of year, this is when all these guys kind of – 
rest and reload and start pointing towards that Saratoga Haskell kind of platform. Right. Yeah. And, you know, more and more, you know, we've seen three-year-olds sticking with their own sex uh, really until uh, the Breeders' Cup. Uh, the Pennsylvania Derby is a grade one now. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunity even beyond the Triple Crown. So it's, it's definitely a balance. Uh, you know, I think championships are made in the Triple Crown season. So if you truly have that world-class horse, those are the races you not only want to be a part of, but also excel in. Uh, but at the same time, if, you know, you don't think you're quite there yet or, uh, you know, just think your horse can still grow a little bit and be competitive later in the year, uh, you know, doing well in races like the Travers and Pennsylvania Derby, uh, certainly, you know, anymore, really no consolation prize. And then if you're really blessed, like Todd Baffert, and you have an arrogate uh, who hasn't even started when the derby comes around, uh, you know, the, the sky's the limit with horses of that quality. So, uh, you know, that's probably once-in-a-generation type horse, but no reason to think we can't see some good ones this summer and fall. Well, uh, talking about a once-in-a-generation type horse, we got to see one on the undercard at Belmont. Uh, how impressive was Songbird in the Ogden Phipps on her comeback? Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, you're always nervous. A horse like that, you know, is going to be one to five, you know, two to five, and the long layoff's a question. And, uh, look, she suffered her first defeat, and uh, we've I've seen it before. You've seen it before. Anyone who's been around horses knows uh, it's hard to get horses to stay good from two to three, from three to four, uh, especially after a defeat or a tough race, which she certainly had in the distaff. And, uh, you know, to me, mentioning the trainers and the Triple Crown races, same could apply to uh, Jerry Hollendorfer. He definitely trained her on his terms uh, and, you know, basically called the shots when he would bring her back. Uh, and we saw that pay off because that was a race, you know, I think a lot of Phillies, even champions, grade one winners, uh, giving weight first off the bench, a one-turn mile in the 16th, uh, definitely could have, you know, thrown in the towel and maybe... Uh, lost to a more seasoned competitor giving weight uh, and she dug deep Mike never had to go to the stick but he had to ride her a little bit and uh, to me that you know that was the race I, I like what I saw and if she improves off that she'll be tough to beat you know what I like about Hollandor for two is that he was really never even with his you know some of his best horses uh, shared belief and such um, is afraid to ship you know he'll He'll go from coast to coast if he feels, you know, the he's got the horse that, that can withstand it. And then I think he tests these horses and finds out. I mean, uh, you know, Songbird's gone from uh, Del Mar to Santa Anita. Well, that's not a trip. But from then from Santa Anita to Keeneland for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, back to Santa Anita, then up to Saratoga uh, to take both the Coaching Club America Hopes and the Alabama, and then to a place that, he probably thought he'd never be parks for the cotillion yeah. and then, you know, and then, and then back to Santa Anita and you've seen him do it with other horses. Um, he, he's good for the game. I'll tell you that. No. And, uh, you know, way back, uh, he certainly wasn't afraid to ship into the spiral, uh, which he had event of the year. And, uh, you know, he's, he's an Ohio guy. Uh, so that's part of the reason I like cheering for him. Uh, and you know, I, I know he's, you know, taking his lumps maybe because he's had horses at Golden Gate and Portland Meadows, and people question, you know, what, how high a class a trainer does he belong with the Bafferts and such. And to me, he, A, he absolutely does. But B, I think one thing he's learned 
whether it's the bottom level or dealing with horses like Songbird, is when you have options like, and he's had strings at Thistledown before, uh, you learn where to spot them and where they're competitive. And he's clearly someone who's honest with his owners and lets them know what he wants to do with the horses. And uh, we see that on display with him, uh, whether it's bottom-level claimers or top horses like Songbird. He knows when they fit, where they fit, and it pays off. And it's something I really respect about him. Absolutely. I, I have a good friend that, that uh, has become friends with him. And uh, his phone will ring and Jerry will say, you know, I got about four of them for you. And all of a sudden those horses, you know, will, you know, he's determined that, you know, these are horses that should be racing at uh, Belterra Park and Turfway. And he's not going to beat them up and let them get, you know, their, their head knocked in, whether it be at Golden Gate or Del Mar. And uh, my buddy sends a van out there, picks them up. He's had a very long-term relationship with them. And it's a great thing, you know. It's like, okay, I realize where this horse belongs to be and i i won't tell his name but he's won a heck of a lot of races with uh with jerry's horses that he recommended saying hey this horse will do good in uh you know northern kentucky or ohio but uh, he's just not going to cut it out here well um let, let's take well, a little seg- to me uh just real quick i know you yeah. talked to terry uh you know twilight eclipse and second careers and uh you know obviously off the track that's important but uh you know on the track it is too and the fact that they can do well after leaving Jerry's stable in another region speaks to how he takes care of them. And, you know, they ship sound just because they're not competitive doesn't mean you shouldn't take care of them right and make sure that they are able to run uh, where they are. And, you know, that, that to me is all part of the puzzle is not treating these horses like commodities or that they're disposable. And I'm a big believer in if they can run and you're taking care of them, uh, you know, whether they're at Santa Anita or Belterra, that's jobs when they run. Uh, that's the groom getting work. That's a stable uh, exercise rider getting work, outriders, et cetera. So uh, to me, that's as much a part of the puzzle as making sure they're taken care of after the races, too, is putting them where they belong, keeping them fit, and uh, keeps everyone employed, you and me included. Well stated, Ed DeRosa. Uh, uh, you know, and all I can tell you is of all the horses – uh, that he sent to my friend, and there's been dozens. Uh, not one of them has shown uh, anything but improvement after they got here. They were all sound. You know, Hollendorfer wouldn't do that to them, and they've developed a great, great relationship just to co-sign exactly what you said. You know, hey, you know, not everybody can win. You know, graded stakes races, but doesn't mean That's you right. can't win. You know, yeah, and, and have some fun. You know, you mentioned partnerships at all levels of the game, and. Uh, you know, growing up in Cleveland, I, you know, there's people that it's a big deal to say, hey, you know, I was in the winter circle at Thistledown, and no one asks you if it was the Ohio Derby. I mean, they just, they're, you know, <laughs> thrilled that you were a part of something special. So um, it, it, every level is important. Well, let's move into your backyard right now uh, at, at Churchill Downs. Uh, we'll start with the, the, the grade three Matt Wynn uh, going a mile and a 16th, a horse that I was always a big fan of because I love the connections, Ian Wilkes and Brian Hernandez Jr., and that would be McCracken. Obviously, their derby dreams uh, broken up uh, shortly after the start, as as the start was for several, uh, you know, but anytime you put that many horses in the gate, it's going to happen. Uh, it looks like they've regrouped, and the horse looks, uh, you know, like he's, he's training really well and may have scared a few horses out of this race. 
Yeah, I mean, he certainly stands tallest. And he was a horse that was pretty keen to try to beat at a shortish price in the Kentucky Derby and, and in the Bluegrass, uh, for that matter. But, um, you know, th- this definitely is above the level we know he's competitive at, or excuse me, the, this is below the level he's competitive at. And the, the thing I go back to here and willing to take a short price on the Kraken is the Derby itself is, is coming back pretty strong. Uh, you know, the top two really haven't done much after the Derby with always dreamings. Preakness and looking at Lee really didn't replicate the runner-up finish. Um, but Classic Empire ran well. Irish War Cry ran well. Tappert, of course, won the Belmont. Um, Gormley was, was fourth. Uh, Patch was third. Um, the, the form's holding up. And McCracken made a move in the Derby, just, you know, flattened out, and he was on the outside of the track. There's no reason to think he can't handle this group. So, um, you know, it does look pretty chalky with the horses they have lined up. Uh, but McCracken's probably not one I'm going to take a big stand against. No, I do believe he would be a single on my ticket, and especially if we're playing some extended races, which uh, I know that they're going to have at uh, Churchill Downs. Again, it'll be Saturday evening when these races are run. I want to uh, remind our uh, listeners, if uh, you, you can't make it at Churchill, uh, I do understand that uh, Horse Racing Radio Network is now going to broadcast the Stephen Foster, or hopefully you can get to an OTB parlor or a racetrack near you. Well, when we move on to the Wise Dan, one of my favorite horses all time, uh, there's two horses for me, Ed, that kind of jump off the paper. Number one, I don't have the odds in front of me, but I'm going to get Pluvian, who won this race last year, will probably be favored. And I would have to think that uh, the, the, the pace-setting chocolate ride uh, could be considered a danger. Am I missing yeah, somebody? Um. No, I mean, those definitely are the, the two stronger choices. I think that they have Thatcher Street as the second choice, and he has some wins, uh, you know, at the track, so that might attract some, some attention. Um, you know, Pluvian certainly uh, the more likely winner, but because I am so bullish on McCracken at an extremely short price, uh, this will be a spot where I'll try to reach a little bit. Um, and I think, uh, I think it's pronounced Kasakwai, but uh, number five. Maybe it's Kasaki, uh, but I think he's one that you need to take a look at, and you know he's he's going to need some pace, um, but he'll get it with Chocolate Ride in there. Uh, security risk on the rail, I think, needs to go. Uh, so for me, uh, Chocolate Ride and that, uh, or excuse me, Kasaki, that Turf Classic, the race before the Derby, uh, has come back okay. Um, you know, Divisadero and Beach Patrol didn't do much in the Manhattan, but that was a mile no. and a quarter. Uh, Balabali did win the Shoemaker Mile, so it seems like if you're cutting back off that turf classic, maybe you can make some noise, and at 6-1 to one would be the right price for me on this horse. Absolutely, and just for uh, th- those of the listening that don't have the PPs in front of them, uh, Pluvian, who, who won this race, if you uh, have the racing form, uh, his buyers are just heads above those in this field and of course Corey Landry uh, who just uh, has I believe he's won 12 riding titles now at Churchill Downs uh, will be aboard a for the win uh, Phil Sims is uh, batting 30 percent so obviously you're going to see a lot of money going to Pluvian and, and rightfully so uh, has only been out twice this year uh, ran third in allowance race in its tightener and was pretty impressive uh 
in the uh, the opening verse at Churchill Downs, going going a mile, and uh, the distance is a mile and a sixteenth. He's won half of his efforts there for almost two hundred thousand dollars. And again, uh, Chocolate Ride, uh, who, who's not necessarily a Churchill Downs based horse from the uh, Brad Cox barn, uh, did win last out at <laughs> Churchill Downs uh, with a ninety six buyer, and uh, you know. There's uh, there's room for improvement. It'll be interesting, but like Ed said, uh, he'll be part of that pace scenario. Well, uh, from here, uh, we're going to move forward uh, to the Fleur de Lis and um, the two horses who ran 1-2 in the La Troyenne, which is a grade one at Churchill on Derby weekend, are back in the race. The interesting thing to me, Ed, is... I mean, these horses have marvelous resumes, romantic uh, vision, uh, sitting at a quarter million. Uh, Big World has won seven of 11 lifetime for earnings of $608,000. Neither of them has ever won at a mile and an eighth. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, that's definitely uncharted territory. Uh, You know, you look at romantic vision being by Lemon Drop Kid, and you figure that's probably a little more in her scope than Big World, who's by custom for Carlos out of a broken vow mare, and uh, I actually did like her on La Troyenne Day, but, um, you know, off that win, I hesitate to say she'll be over bet because there's a pretty imposing figure down on the rail in this race, but uh, it's tough for me to like her coming right back. I probably would prefer romantic vision uh, of the top two out of the La Troyenne, but uh, as imposing as McCracken looks in the Matt win, forever unbridled looks even better in here. Yeah, let's talk about Forever Umbrella, of course. Uh, uh, her, her dam, uh, Lemons Forever, uh, showed an affinity for Churchill on the right day, the day before the Derby in the Kentucky Oaks. I was there, and uh, uh, she's, uh, you know, by Unbridled Song, who's just left an amazing legacy in the, in the last couple of years with the amount of winners that he's either sired or been the broodmare sire of. Been off since November 16th. Uh, but you uh, you believe that Dallas Stewart, who's based at Churchill, and he's batting 24% right now, has this uh, mare right? Yeah, you, you would have to think so. I mean, th- this to me is one of those situations when you look at the pedigree, which you mentioned, um, she's worth millions, uh, literally. I mean, she's a multiple grade one winner out of a Kentucky Oaks horse, one of the final mares from the crop of, um, from the, one of the final crops of unbridled song. Uh, so to me that they're bringing her back, uh, as much as Mr. Fifke loves to run, um, you know, she's a hundred percent because this is the type of a mare that, um, would be breeding, uh, under any other circumstance. So, uh, all that bakes into me that, you know, it's another short price, but, um, you know, she was only a length and a quarter behind beholder and songbird. And it was two and a half <laughs> lengths back to fourth. If Beholder or Songbird were in this race, it'd be a minus win pool probably. So, um, you know, not saying Forever Unbridled is going to offer value to win, but, you know, she's awfully tough to oppose. Yeah, and Joel Rosario will be making the trip in from New York. Well, let's go to the 800-pound gorilla in the corner, and I'm going to have to say that his name is Gunrunner in the grade one Stephen Foster handicap at Churchill Downs a revered race and uh 
you know, he has not been out since he uh, lost to Arrogate in the Dubai World Cup. Certainly to even finish within two and a quarter lengths of Arrogate in this day and age is almost a coronation. Um, He's been training lights out. I've been watching the videos coming out of Churchill Downs. Uh, Gunrunner is is a horse that's got a target on his back. Yeah, no, no question. Of the three, four to five horses, I guess I would call him the least likely winner only because I think the competition in this race, uh, you know, there is some, uh, and he is giving weight off the layoff from Dubai. So there's some questions with him being the big name. Uh, you know, he'll be, he's four to five on the line. I think he'll be two to five or one to two. Uh, so this might be a race where I look a little deeper. I mean, there's no question he's the most likely winner. Uh, but on the burst net scale, Breaking Lucky uh, has a few uh, speed ratings, 105 plus, uh, which it might take to win this. And he's getting seven pounds from Gun Runner. Uh, Honorable Duty popped a 107 in that New Orleans handicap over uh, over the Reed Baker horse. So, I mean, there are definitely some looks here. Uh, but, I mean, it'll take a career best. But I think you're you're going to get the right price if you feel that might come uh, from one of those horses exiting the, the New Orleans race. But Gunrunner, most likely winner. But again, I, I think given the depth of this field, um, even with the imposing figure there, this might be the one where you try to beat the odds on favorite and, you know, maybe you get lucky. But it's certainly not an all race. I mean, there's some in here that are overmatched. Well, all I can say is I'm going to keep my hands in my pocket. And watch the Stephen Foster for those very reasons that Ed DeRosa just told us about. Well, it was great hearing your voice again. I'm glad uh, that you you made a great move down there and you're settled into Oldham County. And I I appreciate you taking the time out of your night to uh, share your thoughts on the Churchill card with us. No, my pleasure. Yeah, it's a great card, and it starts at 6 p.m. Saturday night, uh, 11 races, lots of multi-race options for those who like to pick fours and pick fives. So uh, check it out, and let's win some money. All right. Uh, well, I appreciate it. We've been speaking with uh, Ed DeRosa from Twin Spires. And before that, Terry Finley from West Point Thoroughbreds. I uh, want to really uh, thank him, and I look forward to his return uh, uh, to the show here on Winning Ponies. I want to thank you for listening. want to remind you, with all this great racing, you want to go up to winningponies.com and pull down your easy win forms. And I also want to thank our producer, Matt Widener, for keeping me on track every Every evening and making this show a smooth one. So for everybody involved in winning ponies, I want to thank you for listening. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. <laughs>